Today's episode is sponsored by ChrisTaylorRacing.com. Welcome to Driven to Compete, where we interview badass, high-performing individuals to learn more about their competitive spirit and share their stories as a form of inspiration for our community. everybody, I'm here with Zach Barnes. Uh, we're at Road Atlanta for an SCCA racing event. And uh, as, it, as it is in most of these environments, I randomly ran into Zach through some mutual friends here at the track. And he has quite the history of racing and I thought it'd be a good opportunity to talk to him about you know, what he does uh, to kind of keep his fuel running for the competitive spirit. And then just to hear a little bit about his background and, and stories. So. Um, Zach, I'm, I'm not going to try to describe anything about your history, <laughs> oh. um, but yeah, if, if there's something you can let us know, tell us everybody a little bit about your background and what you're doing now, and then maybe we'll dive into some of those stories. Sure. SCCA, it's a small sort of family, right? You run into an autocrosser uh, at a road race, at one of the super tourists for the club racing side. Uh, yeah, I have a couple friends in, in that side of the sport, and SCCA as a whole is a big family. Uh, I would say back in about 2005, not even about it, in 2005 is when I really joined the SCCA as an autocrosser uh, in preparation for what we would call a national tour. Um, coming up, it was in Texas, not that it was anywhere close to Austin out in El Paso, but that's really the reason I joined it to go do that. And the reason I joined the SCCA was um, I was a mountain bike racer originally. Uh, I was fast, but not coordinated, so I crashed a lot and broke a lot of bones. Um, my doctor was like, can't really put you back together again. You need to knock this off. All the things that he'd replaced and repaired are on my right side. So in a car, not an open cockpit or single seater, but most of those are on the inside. So he's like, go, go try that. Um, I still needed, you know, a little bit of a competitive and an adrenaline, you know, bump. Um, so I went and street raced and I was living in Austin at the time. And uh, the highways, you know, North Austin weren't particularly safe. Some of the uh, outside highways were very curvy and lots of fun, but Friends had gotten in trouble, arrested, lost cars, some of them crashed. Uh, I'd certainly had my own incidents with the, the law there. Um, somewhere in there, a friend was like, hey, there's this thing called autocross for someone like me who's got a, let's say, a super short attention span, but a little bit of ADD. Um, was like, hey, you should try it. So I went out there and joined this organization called Spokes there in Austin and, and started going to their events. It was in North Austin at the Dell campus, or near the Dell campus. And... From then, I, I, obviously, I stopped street racing as much. Uh, that was a lot of fun, really competitive. Um, and it, the crazy part about autocross is that you are forcing a car to do things the car doesn't want to do in a very short time span. We're talking like 60 seconds, 70 seconds or less. And so you're constantly like doing something and it's very engaging, very, you know, um, working all of you and working your mind. And then at the end of the day, it's divided down to the thousands of a second. So you get that short, super intense competition. Uh, that was really engaging to me, who'd been a BMX racer and then a downhill mountain biker, some cross country and other stuff. So that, that was where I sort of got into the SCCA. What's the, what's the format for some people who don't know, don't know what autocross is? Certainly. So if you take like a, 
a big parking area, a parking lot. We've all seen them in a stadium or maybe an open area at an airport where sometimes they park planes or helicopters. And you lay out sort of an obstacle course with cones. We've all seen traffic cones. And you have to navigate that course uh, without hitting any cones from start to finish, one person at a time. And like I said, it's 65, 75 seconds uh, top end, really. And, you know, if you hit one of those cones, a two-second penalty. Again, a sport that's divided down to the thousandths of a second, two-second penalty is staggeringly huge. So uh, really intense, lots of fun. Uh, it's a great format. Um, the local or regional event, you probably get four to five, maybe as many as six or seven runs. At our national championship, it's concentrated even more intensity. You get three runs on two days. So um, it's really challenging. The other challenging part is, unlike a road course like we're, we're sitting next to here, you don't get to qualify. You don't get to go out and get a couple pre-runs. You have to walk it to learn it and translate what's a walking speed into a driving speed. So it's lots of mind aspects. And then you get in, like I said, you got to make a car do things maybe the chassis doesn't want to do in a very short, intense period of time. And that was 2005 <clears throat> when you started? I'd say I started in about uh, 2002, 2003, somewhere there. I like I've been a mountain bike racer, shattered my arm a couple of times. Uh, I'd gotten into it and was looking for a new sort of hobby and um, I had some, it's well known, I, I'd had some problems with the Vicodin and the, you know, the narcotics. So I was looking for a new addiction, if you will. Um, I can say that now, many years put up past. But yeah, it was, it was a crazy sort of series of events. And since then I've been at um, 2005 onward, every solo nationals that's happened. 2020, we had a little pause due to the pandemic, but um, yeah, and then I've served on some of the boards. I, I, I'm in my seventh year with the uh, solo events board, which is like the club racing board here. So there's club racing, and we, we um, advise the board of directors for the Sports Car Club of America where the sport should go. We sort of have a, a great collaborative relationship with them. So talk a little bit about maybe um, some of your rest or some of your worst times, I mean, on, on the nationals or anything like that. So mm -hmm. it, it, anything oh. interesting on... Um, <laughs> yeah, so Solo Nationals is a unique event. Uh, I call it the Burning Man for car geeks. It really is because autocross, like I just said, three three runs over two days, really concentrated competition, plenty of time to go around, and the paddock is its own sort of social environment. Um, definitely lots of the experiences in the paddock count as some of the best times. Uh, those are where the friendships and the family is made. And so, yeah, we have um, lots of downtime, so there's plenty of competition. Uh, there's something called the Big Wheel Pro Solo. Uh, Pro Solo is where you line up, drag race, start next to each other, and then you go through an autocross course, switch sides, so it's like head-to-head -head autocross. But now, you take that format, and you put it back in the paddock, and you do it with big wheels. And everybody's known of big wheels. We've all grown up with it. And so, if you think the competition on course is intense, let me tell you about Big Wheel Pro Solo, where there's a different safety rule set. Um, so... <laughs> It's a lot of fun. Lots of very important people, you know, come out and race that, like national champions. So I may not be the best driver. I'll admit I'm not. But I can, you know, go head-to-head -head and crash or whoop the ass of a multi-time national champion. And it's a lot of fun. That's part of the esprit de corps there, um, for sure. And every sort of region has their own, like, uh, Big Wheel Pro Solo comes from Austin and that spokes group. Um, there's pool parties, believe it or not. People bring pools and sit in there. <laughs> There's a lot of people that will grab uh, off Craigslist giant couches and they'll make a giant like living room area and then they'll go head to head on video games. So there's plenty of Super Smash yeah. Brothers and 
of course, recent games. Um, it so it yeah. does sound like, I mean, I've not been to Burning Man, but it kind of sounds like that, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then everyone decorates their golf carts, and, or they bring their own contraptions, who knows. Um, clothing, uh, tires a little bit suspect, too. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I can testify I've seen more than one streaker at Nashville's. <laughs> um, uh, ironically, I live in Atlanta now. I've moved here for, for a job. And uh, in the several years past, there was a, quite a competition between Texas, as just the state, uh, and particularly that Austin and, and group, and the Atlanta region. And during one of those streaking events, um, the Austin spokes group had something they called a beer garden, just a series of trailers set up in a big U. And there was an inflated Ronald McDonald, because we were mocking one of our own guys, because his car was red and yellow and looked like a McDonald's. But every other region wanted to steal Ronald for their own, to just claim that they'd taken it from, from Texas. And so we'd strapped it down pretty well. So we're sitting around drinking beer, smoking barbecue, whatever. And all of a sudden, like a group of streakers come by, and I don't remember all of them. I've perhaps trauma blocked that out. But in the meantime, several members of the Atlanta region of all you know, regions snuck around and were trying to rapidly un unwind um, Ronald from the trailer. Uh, I was among those, like, tackled them, and we forced them to drink Texas beer, and that was their punishment or whatever. So, uh, But yeah, it's, it's like a lot like Burning Man. You see all sorts of crazy things, and and the cars too. Uh, unlike some of the club racing, the rules in certain classes are pretty far open. So these are some weird contraptions, giant wings on what looks like a pile of tubes. So it's, it's pretty cool. So when you whenever you're doing the autocross, um, it, I know you said it's a solo thing, but do do teams do it? Did you have people with you? Did you help other people? Absolutely. Like whatever region you're from, is that's sort of your team and. You can have a, we sometimes call them tire warmers, but a co-driver. So the car owner usually will drive second. And there's obviously, just like anything, an advantage to having slightly warmer tires or running slightly later in the heat if there's rain. And so, yeah, there's a team. You compare data, sort of like, hey, you know, I was watching your run. You hit this cone or you, you have this slide. Like, correct that in your next run. Um, so there's a team effort to it. Um, I can testify that it's been great for me in the last few years having a, a good team um, now that I've moved on to, to Houston uh, for a while there, and we had an on-the-ledge racing team because we were all on the ledge about to quit. Um, you'd have a bad day, like, I'm going to quit. Anyway, so we had our team, like, you have people spraying your tires to cool them when it's Texas hot, uh, letting air pressures out, making sure the engine is cool, popping the hood, coaching you through, like, hey, I saw you screw this up, fix it your next run. Again, it's really intense sport, so it's great to have that sort of camaraderie uh, and help you raise the game to the next level. Yeah. Now, the courses are always different, right? They're Absolutely. never they're never the same. Nothing's ever the same. So it's not like so. Whenever I would travel for SCCA for for road racing, it's the same road, and I can gauge whether I'm getting better pretty easily. But for you guys, it's it's different. Yeah, it's a lot harder. So usually you measure your gap or interval to a person you know is really well. Like I'm fortunate to to live in a region or having lived in a region. Uh, with lots of people that were very skilled. They've got multiple national championships, so I could always gauge uh, how close I was to them. Also, in autocross, there's something we, we sort of call the PACS, which is a, your you know theoretical performance. There's lots of controversy around it because it's just a statistical number, and we all swear we're getting screwed. But the reality is you can use that to constantly sort of track your position overall and some sort of handicap. It's like a golf handicap. We all know everyone lies on golf handicaps, too. So... 
So, what, I mean, the, the amount of vehicles must be extremely varied in an autocross. Yeah. So, is that what they're using to equalize them? or? Yeah, so there's a, one of those cars, the winged car that looks like a bunch of tubes between it. It's something called A-modified. It's basically unlimited engine, very lightweight, giant wings, giant downforce, like floors, all of the things you could imagine in Formula One. And, yeah, you make enough downforce, and that, that car is the theoretically fastest car there can be. And so... Based on statistics and how the population of autocrossers perform, you know, they sort of gauge and handicap people based on that performance to that car. And like I said, it's a lot like golf. We all try to handicap ourselves to, I would say, Tiger Woods, but he's not that good anymore. But, <laughs> but whoever, um, we, we all lie and cheat and try to whatever. But it's like that. I'll argue that our handicap is way too high or way too low. The same thing. So, it, it's um, part of the, the trash talk. So, <laughs> <laughs> which well, got to be make a lot of fun, especially well, with that environment. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, so, be, based on the handicap, what cars usually? If if the handicap wasn't there, um, which cars are the ones that are typically winning with the handicap? Certainly, I mean the Miata. You know, Mazda needs to send me a check for this, but it's always Miata. The answer is always Miata, just like out here with a spec Miata, <laughs> and we see a bunch of them in T two and whatever, all sorts of classes, just like that. So many classes have, have Mazdas in them uh, and Miatas, and so they tend to be the, the preferred car. Lightweight, decent power bands, uh, the latest generation, the ND2. I think it's really the car to have in two or three classes. If someone were ever like turbo or swap it, probably four or five classes. Who knows? But, but it's really the Miata's the first one. Uh, I think a little personal preference, Corvettes and um, that sort of car again. Uh, Corvettes, sports car design, big V8. They really just... American Miatas with V8s in them, so they handle very similar, great cars to drive there. Those are sort of float to the top. Um, I think if you sort of dig down deeper, anything with a good suspension, good power band, there's plenty of Hondos, the S2000 has been a car to have many years, various classes. Then you get into sort of front-wheel drive and all-wheel drive cars, and they sort of sort out a little differently. Honda's always been a, a high performer there. Um, so um, talk about the different cars that you've had or raced over the oh. years. Man, now I'm gonna to have to go way back. So when I started, uh, before you know, after I broke my arm and stuff, I, I went out and bought a Honda Prelude um, with four wheel steer. And one of my friends, Andy Hollis, who's been in the sport for many years, like called it constantly variable rear toe because it had a four wheel steer system on it. And that was my first experience with data logging and stuff too. Uh, we could never figure that thing out really. It was locally, you know, pretty competitive. Um, from there, I moved to Miatas, because everyone does, because it's the answer. Uh, but because everyone had it, I got bored with those, so I went to Toyota MR2s, and that's been an addiction or affliction, depending on your point of view. <laughs> I still have one. Uh, I think I've had eight or nine of them now. I'd have to really go count. I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, for, for reasons, right. Um, so I have a variety of them. I'm racing a variety of classes, variety of prep levels. So like we have production level here. We have something we call prepared where it's, you can gut the car down, you have to use the same engine, but it's no holds barred, you just have to meet a minimum weight. Um, yeah, and then I've had street class or street touring where you can bolt on, stuff like that. So it's all of those. Um, I've raced people's Miatos. I'm trying to think. Other people's Miatos. Uh, Datsun, uh, 280Z. Um, multiple turbo rotaries. Um, what we call C-prepared, so you take an American muscle car, put it on like 16-inch wide NASCAR size slicks, and then unlimited horsepower, um, and then I've had my Corvette, I've raced other people's Corvettes, um, I'm trying to think, Modus's, 
I tend to prefer momentum cars. Go back to BMWs. I mean, so is, is all these are taken through autocross? All these are taken through autocross. Like I could either own the car myself, like I did with most of the MR2s and the Corvette, um, or um, I could access the co-driver, the tire warmer for them. So that's how you get to drive a lot of the fun cars. You either have to bring a little bit of skill and be able to coach, or I. Like, hey, I'll pay for some of the, the wear and tear on this. So it's, it's a great opportunity to drive lots of things in a very intense, sort of a competitive environment, but then go party afterward. So um, other than autocross, have you, have you done some other type of racing as well? Yeah, I've been involved in some uh, champ car or chump car and lemons, the, you know, junkyard shitbox racing. So tell me about the lemons. So, some people yeah, don't know what that is. Yeah, so. so lemons is basically you take a $500 piece of shit, you find out a junkyard. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not going to talk about this. The engine may or may not run right. You, Try to patch it up. Um, you can put all safety gear you want in there for free, but the car has to be presented to tech, and there's a bullshit detector. And I'm going to say some of my teams haven't been the greatest at getting past that. So you have to bribe the judges to get your otherwise safe side. You penalty laps. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've done that. Um, done, like I said, Champ Car, which is a little bit similar. Like, you're prepping, but it's not as serious maybe as SCCA or NASA racing. I've done some NASA time trials and instructing there. Um, SCCA, PDX, so those things. But yeah, the, the, the Junkyard Racers is a lot of fun. Um, we've had some real experiences with that. I mean, I've had a race with a Mustang, uh, which is how I know your friends. Yep. Um, and I've been in a BMW, um, and then a Toyota Celica. Toyota Celica, we blew a, threw a rod with uh, like six hours to go. So we just JV welded a beer can that we cut open over the hole. We tried to run on three cylinders for a while. That didn't work as well as we thought. So what we had was a sure like win of the like hard luck award or heroic fix. But because we like kept going even though it was dying even worse, uh, so we got the like dumbass award. So <laughs> pretty bad um, that one. So yeah, those are the things. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Club racing and road racing are a lot of fun. Time trials are a lot of fun. Um, I think I was joking with you earlier. Uh, if I do go back to when I go back, it's not if. When I go back to that, I'm going to need something pretty fast because straightaways bore me. So mm -hmm. You can just blame that autocross career <laughs> on that. So You mentioned yeah. earlier I should remind you of a story, and, uh -huh. I, and I don't remember what Yeah, I... so it was a junkyard race car. And actually, he's here today. He's uh, helped me in my move from Houston to Atlanta. Um, his name's Mike Taylor. Um, Mike has a, I think he's on his third STL or Super Touring Light um, version. It's called Squirrel. Uh, he's out there. I think he's probably racing right about now. I have to watch. Um, but Mike's a great guy. Hilarious. From the Atlanta region. It's one of the few places that, you know, Texas and Atlanta can coordinate. Um, and it was like, we have a joint website called The Sandbox or something about road racing and autocross. Uh, and someone had for sale a Dodge Coronet that was like, done up like the Jamaican bobsled team for lemons. So I lived in Austin at the time. Maybe it was in Houston. I don't remember. It doesn't really matter. 
and I had a trailer, um, my trailer, and so it was down in Corpus Christi. So we wanted to get it to Georgia, to Atlanta, and so I went down and picked it up on Saturday and drove it to New Orleans. And it turns out in New Orleans there was conveniently an autocross. So we took this car that we also was way overloaded for my tiny like 14-foot trailer meant for Miatas and MR2s. So we parked this thing on the trailer, drove it there. The sway bar was broken, open diff, so things just didn't work anywhere. But it fired up and drove. And so it was on like 500 treadwear tires and whatever. So the handoff was off my trailer and a mic show, but that in autocross, we might as well try it. And so we took this giant thing with no sway bar, so it like rolled all over the place, open diff. So when it did roll, it never really fired off a corner and proceeded to autocross it and break the sway bar even worse and some other stuff. Hit it off to Mike and it's been great. Like, yeah, hilarious. Um, that thing went on to become like called the Koronatsky or something. I don't even remember. It's purple. It banged around amongst the groups of friends for a long time. But but yeah, that was just internet whim, stupid idea. We did this and like, I think we like, there's the thread on the website. It was like a bunch of idiots save a Koronat or something. It was like, and it was just the dumbest car ever, like to autocross and that stuff. So that was one of those and, and I tell that story because Mike, like I said, last weekend, uh, I had to go back to Houston to pick up my car and my dogs. And Mike's like, oh, yeah, just get my trailer. So I swung by his house, drove out there, picked it up, and said he's out here racing. So it's cool. What, uh, what car was it that you picked? What car do you have now? Uh, so I have, <clears throat> I have a Lexus GX, which is sort of overland lifted with you know, suspension stuff. And then I still have another MR2. Um, so that's what I was picking up was one of my Project MR2s. Um, I haven't decided what I'm going to do with it. I tried to sell it, but no one really wanted to buy it. I was like, fire selling away, so maybe I'll like swap it. I don't know. You know, you mentioned that the, the cars some kind acquire a name. They go from person to person. And, you yeah. know, the community is small. Oh. You see the same people, yep. but you also see the same cars. Like, oh, yeah, now that's a blue car. I remember when it was yeah. you know, so-and-so owned it four people ago or something. Yeah, absolutely. I, I bought an MR2 um from a guy, his name is Brian Heitkotter. He, he, most people will actually, if you go look at his name, one, he's won, yes, lots of solo national championships. He is, we all call an alien, uh, as far as a driver. He also went on to win the, the PlayStation, like, Grand Turismo Challenge, the first one. And then he had, like, a pro racing deal with uh, Nissan for many years. I think he's back racing with Nissan and Chris Forsberg and, and a bunch of little series, uh, the GT, what is, what is it, the um, Grid Life, that was what it is. Okay. The, that GT racing, so... Um, yeah, so he's. I bought the car from him, but we could trace it back all the way till it was acquired off a, a dealership lot, um, at a used car dealership lot. And like, there's some features of it that just didn't make sense, but we all knew that car, um, and so it had moved through through people. It had been called Nerves of Teal for a while, and then it's had many names. Um, there's other cars that have acquired similar distinction. I know where all my former cars are, um, so yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, um, so what's your what's your plans going forward? You've been doing this for a while, and um, any changes, or maybe you just you don't know for sure where I, things are going to take you. Yeah, I just had a big move. I, I moved out here to Atlanta. I get to work for Fox. I'm wearing the, the hat, so it's great. I get to play with cars and trucks, and they, they build a bunch of suspension parts for those. Um, I get to work at Road Atlanta, so this is, we're at my office. Welcome to my office. Part of my office. Um, yeah, it's it's um, up in the air. Like I said, I have that MR2. An engine swap isn't that far off. I've put pretty good suspension under it. I have wheels and tires for my old race car that was an MR2. Um, could do that. I, but I said I need a V8. So yeah, yeah. That's up in the air. 
you know, uh, I have a friend that's like offered me a co-drive and his brand new, I think he just got it like two days ago, three days ago, Tesla. So lots of things out there. Tesla's, uh, I know people, the eight guys, even myself, like, oh, those electric cars, like blah, blah, blah. But I, those, they're space pods. It's, I'm bullish on the future of electric cars. They're amazing. You may not be able to tune them with, you know, spark plugs and compression and turbos, but once someone cracks the software, it's all going to go away. We're going to have insane spaceships, yeah. all-wheel drive, you know, torque vectoring to each wheel. I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. And so, right. Well, t um, so, so yeah. go back a little bit to sure. just... Um, what what kind of keeps you going? Is is it the family? Is it the competitiveness? Is it the, all the above? Like what really keeps you going? Yes, all of those. Yeah, uh, right. Um, the best part about SCCA Autocross is I can basically do it every weekend of the year if I wanted to. Within a couple hours of here, I could probably get to four or five events. Um, you know, every month or two. That's a lot of weekends I could eat up. And so that's a great way to go and get your competitive, just like focused, get stuff done. Um, and get that sort of competitive edge out, the adrenaline, you know, up. Um, but also there's the family too, right? So once you're done, you can make your excuses and explain why you lost, sandbag, uh, and then trash talk, whatever. It works that way. It's any competitive cir circuit does that. I mean, from mountain bikes to, to cycling to whatever. If you're competing, you're trash talking. Yes. So yeah. part, of the, part of the deal. Yeah. So, so yesterday I chatted with somebody that I raced with, uh, Kent Carter, you know him. Yep. And B-Spec, yep. and we talked a little bit about B-Spec being probably the most affordable form of road racing there is. Yep. So how does that compare to the cost of autocross? It's probably pretty comparable. Yeah. Um, depends on how much you want to spend. Now, yeah. when I had the Corvette, I had a certain addiction to a certain brand of tires, which meant <laughs> I spent lots of money on those, which is fine. Um, but that was my choice. I didn't have to do that. Um, there's other cars that are more gentle on consumables, whatever. And so it just depends on what your, your point is. Um, you can probably get by a whole year on a set of tires if you wanted to. Um, buy them just before nationals, race them, then go through your winter if you have winter. If you have a no winter, you keep competing until like mid-spring, you buy another set. So you really can do it. It's, it's very doable. Brake pads, whatever, not terribly expensive. Not every car needs a set of shocks or sway bars. And there's a stock or street class prep level, so it's lower prep. So Lots of opportunities there. Of course, you can go and spend $100,000 a year if you want. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think Pick your choice. I did the math my first year of SCCA. I did, I think, seven race weekends around Texas, Oklahoma, yeah. and went to Indy that year for the runoffs, Ruff, which is yeah. really cool. Um, and I, I, I kept track of every penny. Yep. And I'm telling you, my travel costs, my yep. flight, my hotel, the rental car while I was there, because I rent the race car. I, yep. I arrive and drive. And... And all my food and everything. So I just wanted to know, like, how much is this sport costing me? And I, I think for the entire year, it was $37,000. Oh, and, yeah. And I know that, you know, bumpers on expensive cars can yeah. cost that much money. Yeah. So I think um, I had bought an MR2 Spider. Again, my MR2 problem here. Um, I bought an MR2 Spider for, like, six grand. I fully prepped it for another, like, for street class racing. And by fully prepped, I mean I bought top-of-the-line stuff. Um, replaced parts, whatever, for another five or six grand. I was very fortunate in that uh, a local shop out in Sealy, Texas, uh, DDPR, helped me out on some parts and labor and getting things set up and tuned and repaired. So, but I think all told, over three years of racing, it was, I think it was less than 27 grand or something I'd spent. 
Wow. And what like, is... that, was, that was me being obnoxious about a bunch of tires and <laughs> building very expensive sway bars out of NASCAR-level stuff just because I could. Is it... Um, well, that's but three years. What's Hotel the, everything. What's, so that, what's the entry like for an autocross, autocross sure. race? Uh, so most of the national tours are, we'll call it about 150 bucks. Oh. Um, so it's not bad. A local no. regional is like 45, 50, uh, depending on your region and their level. I mean, it's not much. And so you get, like I said, four to six runs. Um, you get to hang out there all day. Some regions do fun runs afterward. It's not bad. Uh, all things considered. If you're going to tell somebody who just wants to start getting into racing, doesn't know where to start, um, where would you send them? Would you send them to one of those um, um, the weekends with their own car or or to rent a car, one of those things, versus to, to kind of test it out? Or If you have a car in your driveway, not an SUV, if you have a car in your driveway, car, go to an autocross, just see if you like that, like not just the competition or that style of competition, just see if you like driving a little bit aggressively. See if that's something you can get comfortable with and you get the shakes coming off course. If you do, then go back to it and do it a couple more times. And then, yeah, go try a, you know, a track day, go do an HPE, go try something else. Um, the only reason I say start with an autocross is the risks are way lower. Like worst case, you hit a cone, you might smudge some you know, dirt on your car. Uh, if a track day, if something goes wrong, there's a higher risk level there. It's just, yeah. just be aware of that. Um, yeah. But once you've got some comfort, then sort of decide which where you want to go and what, what really works for you. Um, awesome. So yeah, well, play with cars. Just go compete. It's way more fun. Well, man, I, I appreciate your time. Sure. It was a pleasure to meet you. I, I hope I run into you at all the other places I'm going and uh, see you on track sometime. Maybe I'll, I've not done autocross, so I'll have to do it sometime. I mean... Houston has a, and Austin has a good one. So go, go check out any of those. You can take your B-spec car. Yeah, yeah. I'll talk to Chris. Pull it out there. It's, I'm, it's right down the street from Chris's house. Oh, you can really? drive across the street to Coda. One of the autocrosses is there in one of the lots. Oh, is it really? It's at Lot H, yeah. So just drive around. <laughs> no one will notice. The cops in, in that, they let him get away with stuff. It'll be fine. Just drive on the street. No one will know. So yeah, it's fine. Yeah, go do it. Like, try it. Have fun. Cool. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Great meeting you, too. Yeah, man. I want to thank you for listening or watching Drive to Compete. It's been a pleasure sharing this episode, and I hope that we've provided some inspiration and entertainment along the way. I absolutely love hearing from you, and I promise I'll personally respond to every comment, every question, and every request. If you want to connect, start with our website, driventocompete.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter. Whether you reach out or not, please like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, go kick some ass.